Puck in Pigskin YYC. Just great sports fans talking mostly about Calgary Flames hockey. And Stampeders football. Sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Knights and Kraken backup plan, Jason Bicek. Welcome to Puckin' Pigskin YYC. My name is Jason, and I have two great guests lined up for you today uh, to talk Calgary Flames hockey and maybe a little more other sports talk as well. Audie James is currently the play-by-play voice of the Drumheller Dragons of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, as well as a huge Flames fan. And James Johnson is a huge analytics guru on Twitter and a huge Flames fan as well. Together, they co-host the Barn Burner Hockey Podcast, which drops every week on Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. So without further ado, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Jason. It was uh, it's great to great to finally have a chat with you. I know that uh, I know that we you know we we had talked about this before, and then you reached out to us. So James and I were both super excited to uh, to to be invited on. So thank you for uh, for having us. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Me and Audie, like Audie said, we're both uh, we're both happy to be here. So thanks for having us on. Yeah, I've worked. I've uh, recorded with James Bush before on a show that we won't mention. Uh, that's long gone <laughs> in the past and defunct. Defunct yeah. and, and de- yeah, <laughs> um, we won't go I there. Don't, I don't think we. Uh, I don't think we ever had Audie on, did we? No, we did. Yeah, no. I don't think I've recorded no, with Audie before. I didn't think so. No, this um, will be a first, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it's always great to to talk flames hockey with uh, other huge hockey fans and especially when the team is doing really well off to a hot start of course despite the terrible first game um always lose the first game uh even a little it hurts a little more though when it's against the oilers so that's <laughs> yeah yeah it's never it's never fun to lose but especially given the uh the battle of Alberta and everything it's not uh makes it a little a little more salty when uh when it's a loss to them <laughs> yeah um so I guess we'll start off by just uh talking a little bit about the new guys that are on the team this season um we'll start with a guy who played the first two games uh didn't look too hot in my eyes anyway um I think he's been benched for the last uh three or four uh, healthy mm-hmm. scratch. So uh, let's talk about Nikita Zadorov, James. Well, what are your thoughts on Nikita Zadorov so far? Yeah. So like you said, he didn't have a good starting two games and he found himself benched for that entire road trip and the flames went five and oh, so that should tell you something, but in preseason, he didn't fit in with anybody. He didn't find a defense partner that worked. We'll see if he fits with good Branson tonight, but I'll just throw some numbers like when he was on the ice in those two games, the flames were out chance 29 to 25. His expected goals was only 37.15, which is quite low. Like So basically he just, he didn't fit with the flames so far. Maybe it's early. I mean, it's only game seven that can certainly change, but I, I haven't been too impressed with him and I, I wasn't a big fan of that trade when it happened. So hopefully, cause I mean, he has good defensive impacts in when he was in Chicago in a, with a Daryl Sutter team that I thought that would stay the same or improve. So there's time and hopefully you can figure it out because 
he's a big boy. I mean, there's no denying that he he's not going to let you get away with anything. And if he can play, you know, good as well, it's definitely a positive. So. Yeah, um, always scares me when the team is rolling really well, uh, like they are now, and then you make a lineup change. Um, Adi, do you see any reason why this lineup change may have been made and why he gets back into the lineup tonight? You know, uh, it's it's a head-scratcher a little bit for me because Yusuf Alamaki will be the one coming out of the lineup. Um, and I think at least, and I know, I think analytically too, James can correct me if I'm wrong, but the past few games, he's been trending in a much better direction than he originally started. Um, and, you know, the eye test and the analytics uh, don't always line up. And I think that a lot of people who focus on the eye test and don't look at the analytics would say that he's, you know, probably justifiable to come out of the lineup. Um, but I think he looked better. I think he analytically, he was better. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like when things, when, when the, the old saying of when it's, when it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mm -hmm, comes into mm -hmm. question here, right? Like the team is rolling. Um, this is how you develop chemistry is by playing with the same players and developing that chemistry kind of through and through the more you play, right? Um, so it's it's a bit of a head scratcher for me why he's coming out of the lineup, um, especially, like I said, they just came, they're on the back end of a uh, five-game road win streak, right? Like they're coming home riding the hot hand right now. So it's a little interesting to me. Um, I don't exactly understand it. <laughs> and I don't think I ever will because I'm never, I'm not in the mind of Daryl Sutter. But hey, you know what? He's given us a lot of reasons to kind of trust this, trust the process so far. He's been, uh, he's been, he's been kind of deploying this team in a way that obviously is working. So I'll trust the uh, guy behind the bench in this decision, but it's a head scratcher from the, uh, from the average fan and someone who follows the analytics and, and the eye test pretty, uh, pretty closely. Yeah. I, is, I'll, uh, is it? Oh, go ahead, James. Sure. I'll just uh, jump in here. Audie was mentioning analytics. I'll say, you know, Yusuf Alamaki, his analytics are definitely a lot better than Nikita Zadorov. He's above 50% in expected goals, Corsi 4, all this stuff, right? So that's what you look for. And, you know, going into this game against Philadelphia tonight, they have three of the top 15 lines currently in the league in expected goals so they're playing very well so i don't understand taking out a defenseman that has built chemistry that is good in transition that has played relatively well he's taken quite a few minor penalties so that could be maybe you know if he's sitting for a game that's not the worst thing but i i, I really don't understand you know, switching out Valimaki for Zadorov, except for Zadorov is bigger. You know, Philadelphia, they have that, you know, the Broad Street hockey days, right? They have that. They're a tough team. So I guess, you know, taking, putting Zadorov in kind of makes sense in that sense. But yeah. Yeah, you kind of answered the the next question I was going to ask Audie. I was going to ask if maybe maybe it's possible he's doing better than than we see. But James that kind of answered that when he uh, gave us the analytics there. Oops. Not really doing <laughs> as good as Velimaki, so I guess it's a mystery. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a head scratcher. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Like I like like I've I don't know. I can't I can't knock it till I see it. Uh, like. <laughs> So far, yeah. he's been bad, but like, you know, you got to kind of stay cautiously optimistic. Uh, 
you know, there's there's always the chance that, you know, the player maybe does turn it around. Maybe that time in the press box, uh, he could use that as fuel and motivation to, you know, not want to do that again. Like, who knows? There's a mm-hmm. lot of outside factors that come into account when something like that happens. So I guess it's just wait and see. Uh, yeah. if, if he continues to be bad, then maybe it's more of a permanent, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe this is Sutter saying, this is, you know, give give me one more chance. Like, here's another yeah. kick at the can. Otherwise, if, if it's not working, then, you know, we're going to have to go back to what was working before, which was Valimaki in the lineup. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier that uh, he's going to slot in beside uh, Eric Goodbranson, likely. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on Goodbranson so far this season? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, uh, if you followed me on Twitter during the summer, you know that uh, – well, to put it nicely, I wasn't a wasn't a big fan of that signing. I just, I mean, he's been on six teams in three seasons. He hasn't performed well in any of any team. I mean, Nashville, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Vancouver. Like I can't even name them all. He's been he's a he's he's a bit of a suitcase these past three years. But uh, he's he's actually looked good so far, and his analytics metrics they're all solid they've actually started falling a bit kind of game after game but he's still you know above 50 percent. and you know i think he has three assists in six games like the guy is playing relatively well which mm-hmm. i mean I, I so far i'm eating my words right I, <laughs> yeah you are you kidding I'm, me? <laughs> I'm eating a nice, nice bowl of words right here. I'm just scooping it up because I was, I was wrong so far. But we'll see how it plays out, right? Like we talked about Nikita Zadorov, and he, his analytics haven't been good in those two games. But in one of those games, he was playing 90% of his minutes against Connor McDavid, right? So you have to factor that account. <laughs> and Eric Branson and Yusuf Alamaki have been given pretty easy minutes against easy competition they've been getting a lot of offensive zone matchups so you know daryl sutter's giving them good matchups and they're performing above average so yeah good branson he's shocked me so far we'll see how it goes but uh yeah yeah, so you you mentioned uh, playing against Connor McDavid. So in that first game, w- were any of our D actually any good? Or <laughs> Ooh, that's is uh... anybody ever really defensively good against Connor McDavid? Like <laughs> that's a good question. I will I will pull up the numbers here. I don't and, remember. While while he's pulling up the numbers, you know, I I watch a lot of Oiler games because my wife's an Oilers fan and. Every single game, Leon Dreisaitl scores a goal from the circle, wide open. This game against the Flames surprised me because I believe it was Connor McDavid wide open in the circle with a one-timer because he worked on that one-timer over in the offseason. So, and mm-hmm. I've seen it a few times this season, and it, it looks pretty good. So I think maybe the Oilers are switching things up a little bit so people aren't kind of catching on to Dreisaitl being – wide open all the time but now dry says wide open on the other circle so yeah <laughs> there's really no good way to defend it <laughs> there's no, no good there's no good situation at all so <laughs> um audi uh, what are your thoughts on gabranson so far yeah look i i was the same with james one of my buddies i'll give him a shout out here uh jacob from the panther Puri podcast or website network whatever the heck they are now anyway he's a huge panthers fan and i remember when the signing happened um 
he, all he said, all he, he just tweeted, he said, at Audie James, have fun. And I didn't see the <laughs> signing. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, have fun. So I'm like, oh, God, who did we pick up? Who did we sign? Who did we trade for? Like, what's what's the uh, after effect? And I, of course, I go right to Twitter. And who's the first tweet that I see? None other than the lovely <laughs> James Johnson, who uh, was not very thrilled. So that was uh, <laughs> initial reaction. I was probably the same as James. Um, and I, I wasn't like as mean as James was, but definitely yeah. wasn't happy. Um, but then like, you know, after the first preseason game against the Oilers, like the very first one, James and I were sitting, uh, we were behind the net, uh, one of yep. the nets. And we just kept looking at each other because he was a couple rows behind and uh, we just keep looking at each other like this and, and shaking our heads anytime <laughs> he came on the ice. Or I remember a dead giveaway right in front of us, like right in front of us leading to a scoring chance. That might've been the Hamblin goal. I'm not sure, but either way it was, uh, <laughs> it was not good. So, but I'm very happy to 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 announce that he's proved both of us wrong so far. Sure, he's yep. trending a little bit downward, but we couldn't expect him to keep up being a top five defenseman in goal, uh, expected goals for and against uh, in the league. We couldn't. We couldn't. That's that trajectory was going to inevitably come crashing down some point soon. But so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing, and sure. I just hope that it's. Um, like I hope that it it can keep going in a very steady direction. It doesn't have to be like fantastic night in and night out because that that's you know, as a fan you can't expect that uh, from yeah. a player, especially like him. But if he can kind of stay steady, stay afloat, then I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to keep him on the blue line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James, you said you were going to pull up some numbers there. Uh, did yeah. you want me to put those on the screen or? Yeah, this one I uh, I figured would be kind of funny because we're talking about Eric Branson, and uh, I tweeted this out a couple days ago because if you look at that first chart, it kind of looks like he's giving giving the middle finger. So I kind of thought <laughs> as uh, well, I guess Eric's giving me the middle finger because I I was talking trash and he proved me wrong. But uh, I'll kind of just explain this super quick. So you have uh, five columns here. Well. Uh, the three columns here on the very right, those are just for power play. So for Good Branson, he played a minute on the power play, so we can just neglect that. But for your first column, you have uh, goals four per 60. So when Eric Good Branson is on the ice, the Flames are scoring more goals per 60 than again. So that's good. Basically, you want all these columns in the purple. That's basically, that's thumbs That's up analytics kind of. right there okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh the next column is expected goals for per 60 so basically the second column is what he was expected to do and the first column is what he actually did so oh, so he did can, good <laughs> you can see in these two columns that he he's doing better than expected so you can i don't know put that up to luck maybe a little bit but he's playing good he's He's expected to do above zero, and he's doing above zero. And what I like is that nice uh, middle finger right in the middle, right? That nice uh, Corsi 4 per 60. So it's basically when Good Branson is on the ice, the Flames are outchancing the opposition. And you, uh, you asked me to pull up the numbers for the defenseman from the Oilers game, and Eric Good Branson was on for 18 
Corsi for and for Corsi against. <laughs> so while the uh, Zadorov and Tanev pairing were getting absolutely destroyed by McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, Goodbranson and uh, Valimaki were good, and they've kept that up. As I said, he's kind of trending down game after game, but he's been much better than I expected. And then uh, the fourth column there is uh, expected goals against per 60, so, you know, he's in the positives. That's what we want, especially from a defenseman. You want those last two columns because those are the defense columns per se, so... For a defensive defenseman such as Gabranson, you want those columns to be high because that means that he's preventing chances against, and that's what he's done so far. So just thought I'd jump in because uh, I figured that's the perfect time to explain the charts because I love that yeah. he's. it's kind of giving me the middle finger because I deserve <laughs> it. No, that's great. Um, uh, next, let's move on to a signing that I was excited about. And I guess I was excited about it because he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion uh, coming Ooh. from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Blake Coleman. Um, he's post. He's very active on social media. He seemed uh, very excited to get going and, and get started. And he, he posts a lot. And what, from what I see on the ice and on the bench, he's uh, he's always smiling. He's always seems to always be on. So, uh, what are your thoughts with Blake Coleman so far, Audi? Yeah, he's uh, well. First, before we talk about him, take a shot every time uh, Rick Ball says that he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. You'll be hammered by the end of the night. <laughs> and I just said it too. <laughs> <laughs> I know that led me to say it. it. Uh, take it's a like shot every time. That's his only. Said. That's his yeah. only selling point. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shouldn't be because I think that he's been uh, he's been performing just as as well as everybody's wanted him to. Um, this signing was was big. Like a lot of people looked at the money and the dollars and and the term and kind of, you know, and it's fair to assume that maybe it's going to taper off near the back end of the deal. But that's okay. Like let's focus on the now, which which the now is good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing we're seeing you know great, uh, like from the eye test, we're seeing uh, for me at least uh, gr- great forecheck pressure. He's 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 not afraid to go in the dirty areas and mm-hmm. play the puck. Uh, a great puck mover and a great finisher. He's he's finding the back of the net not like flashy by any sense but he's he's finding the back of the net either way um i think that uh i i like i i honestly don't have anything bad to say about it or bad to say um you know about when it happened when it's when the signing happened i just think it was a good deal when it happened uh and and i'm glad that he's proving that it was a good signing and that it was a good deal especially too the thing that i think i think i like the most about the Blake Coleman signing is the fact that he genuinely wanted to be here. Um, mm-hmm. It's not often you see a, a player, not to say that he's like a superstar, but of that caliber or of that desire uh, want to come to Calgary or want to come to a market in Canada that isn't Toronto, Montreal, right? It's, it's, it's nice mm-hmm. to see, uh, especially, you know, he had other offers. He talked about it on, um, uh, on in his press or in his media availability prior to the devil's game. There were other offers on the line coming from New Jersey, coming from Dallas, where he's uh, Texas is where he's from. Um, he had other offers on the table, and he chose to to raise his family uh, in in Calgary. So it's nice to see that, and and obviously the on ice performance too. I can't complain too much about. Yeah, James, what do you think? Yeah, so Blake Coleman has always been a player where you know analytics and eye test they kind of meet, and everybody 
everybody likes Blake Coleman, right? There's there's really nothing bad to say about him so far. The biggest thing I've noticed personally in watching the games is that whenever Blake Coleman has the puck in the defensive zone, he always gets it out. He will never give the puck away. He will never turn it over. If he gets that puck in the defensive end, it is always going out. And it's it's awesome. Like he's out his Corsi four is way higher. His expected goals is good. High danger chances is good. Like everything about Blake Coleman has been good so far. And uh I have the chart there if you want to pull it up. Okay. Um it's it's basically exactly what I want to see when we signed Blake Coleman because he's being used with Michael Backlund and Tyler Pitlick kind of in that defensive, that first defensive line, right? They're going to play against the opposition's top competition and he's performing so far, right? Like his, his offense hasn't been tremendous, but his, his defensive impacts have been phenomenal. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Matthew Kachuk is the only other player on the Calgary Flames that like has defensive impacts that look this good because Blake Coleman, like I said, he he always gets the puck out. He's he's gonna prevent chances against. He's just he's a very good hockey player. And and like <laughs> Audie said, it's it's surprising that he chose to come to Calgary because it kind of sounded like, you know, Boston, New Jersey, Dallas, like Audie mentioned, they were all after him and he chose calgary which is super cool so nothing but good things to say about blake holman yeah he's he's working well so far can i can i jump in real quick too just just something another thing that i kind of just thought about now too was um you talk about a sutter player um but you all can also talk about just like a like a coach's dream and i think that's kind of the player that blake coleman is um you got to think too like the matchups that the other team has to put out. Like when, when he's slotting in where he's slotting in, the flames are always going to be on the upper hand of the matchup. If he's on the ice from what it seems like, depending on what the, what the matchups are like, they're not they're They, you know, they're going to want to like, if they're, if what has he been playing on like the third line, pretty much consistently third line, a little bit of second line time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like other teams, third lines comprised of like legit bottom six guys. When Blake Coleman can be a top six, like, I don't know. I just think of it like that too. Like just from a coaching standpoint, you got to think like the matchups that you're able to generate with him slotting where he's slotting definitely favor you. If you're the Calgary flames. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Everybody kind of <clears throat> talks about, you know, Blake Coleman being a third liner in Tampa where, which I mean is a good thing. But if you look at the time on ice in the playoffs and in the regular season, Gaudreau, Gord and Coleman were actually Tampa's second line based on time on ice. Like they played heavy minutes and it's the same with Coleman. So he is a top six forward. So yeah, anyway, nothing but good things to say about him. And it's been, it's been good. Another thing too is if if in saying that he's he's a bottom six player for Tampa really means last year that he was a top six player anywhere else in the league. Let's be real. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's not saying like that's yeah. not a bad thing to be a, yeah. a bottom six player in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa doesn't have a top six and a bottom six. They have a top nine and a bottom three. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you even want to call it that. Um, let's move on to, to Tyler Pitlick. Um, Mm -hmm. Pitlick 
hasn't really been putting up numbers, only got one assist uh, through five games. What are your thoughts, uh, James, on Tyler Pitlick? Yeah, so he, I think I looked at his chart a couple days ago, and his he's been, you know, good. A similar, similar on that Blake Holman, Michael Backlund line where his impacts have been good. I'm just pulling up the chart here, and I think... I don't think they're as good as Blake Coleman, which is expected because, oh yeah. So he his defensive impacts actually haven't been tremendous, but I'm actually surprised. I think it was a bit better before I looked at this last game, but uh, <laughs> you know, his, his offensive totals are good. His defensive numbers aren't terrible. So he's been, you know, he's just kind of been, there and that's not a bad thing like if he's playing these defensive minutes against tough competition where he's he was used mostly as a first line and a second liner last year in Arizona for some reason but in previous years he's kind of that third line energy guy or a fourth line and it's good and he's being used in a top six role next to Coleman and Backlund so far and it's definitely not hurting the flames so uh-oh. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Tyler Pitlick, Audi? Oh, there we go. Perfect. Um, yeah, Pitlick, like for me, um, small sample size given the uh, the fact that he was hurt to start the year. So I don't want to put too much weight on that chart that James just showed, just because it, mm-hmm. you know if you looked at the time on ice, he's got he's played sixty minutes so far. Um, so he's really it's not it's not a fantastic uh you know it, it, there's still lots of uh, lots of time for that chart to look a lot better um yeah. but i don't hate what i'm seeing from tyler pitlick i don't think that he was he, he was brought here to light up the score sheet like you said uh james and he was playing top line second line minutes in arizona well say that again he's playing top line second line minutes in arizona <laughs> so you know like it's it's yeah. it's uh you take that with with for what it's worth um mm-hmm. but like yeah it's you know he he's still got a lot of time to kind of show what he can do and maybe he's still milking it a little bit based not milking it nursing a bit of an injury maybe he's not like completely back but uh you know i'm i'm not like blown away but i'm also not like you know calling for his head or any stretch like that so <laughs> Um, so we've seen Dan Vladar in, uh, is it two games he's played so far? Yeah. And yeah. both games, he hasn't looked too bad. Uh, James, what do you think of Dan Vladar so far? Yeah, I think he, he really impressed not only the fans, but I think the coaching staff as well in preseason. He played the most games out of any goaltender. I think he played like five or six out of the eight or whatever. It was insane. And he has Daryl Sutter's trust, which is not an easy thing to get as a rookie goaltender under Daryl Sutter. <laughs> so, like when he when he got that start against Washington, I was like, "Really? Like, wow, good for him!" Because you know, I th- personally <clears throat> I think of Daryl Sutter teams, and I think of riding that starting goaltender until that goaltender can't basically can't start no more, right? So. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed with him so far. I mean, he hasn't, you know, been tremendous or anything, but he hasn't been bad either. He's been a decent goaltender and I'm excited. I'm very excited with that deal because he's only 23 years old. He's like 6'7 and 
he's showing no sign. Yeah, big guy. Like, uh, yeah, big guy. Uh, yeah, I think Calgary definitely has the biggest goaltending tandem with Markstrom 6'6 six, six, and Vladar 6'7. <laughs> they got to. It's got to be pretty close. Just wait till Dustin Wolf comes in. That'll put that right down, the, right down. down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, having goaltending prospects is never a bad thing to have. And when you have Markstrom for the foreseeable future, Vladar has backup for at least probably two years until Wolf is ready. Like there won't be any problems for Calgary's goaltending for a while. Fingers crossed if everything works out, but uh, yeah, I've been, I've been impressed so far. Adi, what do you think out of what you've seen so far? Yeah, I'll just echo everything. Pretty much James has said, I think we're on Mm -hmm. the same wavelength when it comes to, uh, when it comes to Vladar. Um, it's a it's a good it's a good problem to have when you know you're you start uh you start your backup against the capitals and i don't know if that was if that was just <laughs> strategic by if that was strategic by sutter to try to get him into some like regular season game action prior to the back to back which very well could have been but it's a good problem to have when you looked like you didn't look incredible. Like I'm not going to give him that much credit. I think he looked good. He wasn't mm-hmm. like fantastic. I think he, but then again, like when you've got guys like Ovechkin scoring on you, like it's Ovechkin, he's going to score on anybody. So it's, um, you take that for what it's worth. But uh, yeah. to be honest, man, I think like, I think he's looked good. Like, I don't think that uh, I think he's looked calm and composed for the most part. He's let in a couple of shaky goals that he probably would have wanted back. Just like should be routine shots from like the hash marks kind of thing. Or routine saves, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy to to have him here, and I think that you know, not to like poo poo too much on David Riddick and uh, Louis Domingue last year, but I think that I think that fans have a lot to be happy about for this tandem this year and for the foreseeable future for what we can see if if Ladar uh, sticks around or if if Dustin Wolf is you know he's looking damn good right now if he's ready anytime soon right like he's looking damn good. So uh, in in the crease, I don't think Flames fans have anything to worry about for the next little while. Uh, I think they're pretty solid and they're pretty set. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, assessment there. Um, definitely the scoring side of things that uh, <clears throat> have gotten going this season, finally. It's good to see some scoring. Um, one downside I see in the scoring department is still uh, Sean Monahan. Is is something still wrong with Sean Monahan? I hope so. Not not because <laughs> I want him to be hurt, but I hope that that's like the reason behind it. Because otherwise, it's a it's a diminished asset at that point. There's you know really not much you can get in return if this is if this is who Sean Monahan is now. There's you're like I don't know what you're gonna get. Like what what's it's a lot of money to be plunking down on the fourth line uh between who's he with lewis and lucic or richardson or whatever the the hell they're doing with that fourth line on any given night but (laughs) but at the same time it's justifiable because i'm gonna go back to if it ain't broke don't fix it like the like every other line is is maybe not producing but at least playing a role um and sean monahan his his style of play and the way he's been playing i don't think fits any line that the flames deploy other than what he's doing right now in the fourth line. I'd, I'd love to know what James thinks because I know <laughs> that, uh, I know that he's got a similar, uh, he might have a sim- similar opinion, but yeah, I think, I mean, if he, as I said, like in regards to good brands and if you know me on Twitter, you know, I was a big proponent for 
seeing what you can get for Sean Monahan in the offseason. And now looking ahead to next season, if you want to re-sign Gaudreau, Mangiapane, and Kachuk, you're going to have to find a suitor for Monahan and potentially Lucic. But mm-hmm. that's that's a question for next offseason. It's definitely on my mind and something I'm worried about. But speaking of the now, Monahan, it's he's on that first power play unit. He hasn't done anything he's i think he they i can't remember where they tried him but i think it was between manjipani and dube if i'm not wrong Mm -hmm. you're right and that didn't work too well and now yeah with lucic and uh lewis it's the line isn't terrible it's you know they're not going to score a goal a game or anything but they're not preventing goals against which is what Daryl Sutter wants in him in his bottom six, right? He wants guys. Well, Monahan doesn't really fit this, but he wants guys that are going to grind <laughs> you down. They're going to, you can put them out there in the final two minutes, but I think, you know, G- Jeff Ward really affected Monahan. He put him in defensive roles because Monahan next to Gaudreau, when they were just given offensive zone matchups, offensive starts etc they were they were a dynamic duo and we saw Mm -hmm. that in 2019 but then things changed and like i've looked at his charts and year after year you can see his offensive impacts decreasing and his defensive impacts increasing right so it's kind of a give and take with sean monahan and now if you want to pull up that chart that i pulled up so far this season he's just been like very average like he's not (laughs) he's not good in one particular particular thing and he's not bad in a particular thing either like he's just yeah he's sean monahan basically and (laughs) uh a 6.4 million dollar fourth line center that can't produce is definitely not ideal personally i would attempt to try Monahan with Manjupani and Dubé again because I don't love Brett Ritchie beside Dubé and uh, Manjupani and Dubé has struggled at the center position so far this season so I would personally like to see Monahan back with Dubé and Manjupani and give them decent minutes but you know as Audie said if it ain't broke don't fix it and they're they went 5-0 and on that road trip, so what do I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was just going to say. As much as we're complaining about Sean Monahan not doing anything, the team's winning, so do you mess exactly, with that? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, that's it, though. Like, I, I just don't think that – like, now's not the time to do it because, like, you don't want to, like, let these games slip away. Like, you don't want to do what Jeff Ward was doing and throwing lines in the blender uh, early on because you're going to look mm-hmm. back at the end of the year like the Flames did – and say what the hell like if we had only won that game against ottawa or that game against ottawa or every other game they lost against ottawa um <laughs> if they were able to win games early on like it, it just there's so many like different factors that come into play as to why you shouldn't mess with something that's broken or that that's not broken um and one of those reasons is you, you don't want to look back at the end of the year and say shit if we didn't if we didn't mess around with that lineup that one night against the flyers and got, got got away with those two points, maybe we wouldn't be looking 
on the from the outside looking into the playoff picture by one point. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many little things, and that's maybe just the way my mind works, and it, it's not how everybody else's works. I don't know. Um, but like there's just so many things that I think that come into account when it comes to something like that. And I don't know, maybe maybe you guys can make me feel a little more sane by saying that you think of it that way too. Otherwise, I'll just yeah. I'll see myself out. <laughs> You're on the right page. You're on the right page. There. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to look back at previous games when you don't miss the playoffs and say, what if, what if? I mean, look at the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays missed the, missed the postseason by one point. Yeah. One I, win. Or it's, one and then win. It, and then I find myself as a diehard Blue Jays fan saying, well, what happened if you didn't blow that series to the Orioles or that series yeah. to the Orioles, right? Like, it's like... Little things like that, and I know you—it's you got to focus on the now. You can't fix the past, but don't make it so that you get to the finish line and you have to look back and say, "Well, damn, we missed out by two points." And if we'd only beaten the Flyers, if we'd only beaten you know the Oilers, something like that. You know what I mean? Like a game that they should have won, but they did something stupid or silly to 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 mess with the flow and you know vibe or whatever. I don't know. I'm just going on a, yeah. on a bit of a rant here, but. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, so we discussed all the new players that uh, cracked the lineup, and most of them brought in by Daryl Sutter to be gritty, hardworking. What are your thoughts so far on the Daryl Sutter system of hockey? Uh, let's start with James. Yeah, so Daryl Sutter teams have always been good analytically. I'm not a big Daryl Sutter fan. I mean, that's if you on Twitter, I'm pretty much known for that, which I don't love, but it's I've I've just never been a big fan of his probably because of his GM tenure in Calgary, where he didn't do a lot of good things. So I I didn't expect much when they brought him in. I didn't love that. But so far this season, it's been all very good things and. If, it, if we're talking defensive zone where they've improved a ton transition game, which for me is the biggest uh, thing that Sutter's changed and I love. Like I mentioned with Blake Coleman, when he's in the defensive zone, he's going to get that puck out. Same with, you know, playing guys like Oliver Shillington in big minutes, guys that can skate the puck out. It's his impacts have been good and this is expected, right? Every every Daryl Sutter team spanning all the way back to L.A. has always been good analytically in terms of, you know, Corsi numbers, possession, this or that. The one thing I will say is I, I do like a little chart after every game, kind of just giving a brief summary. And one thing I've noticed in doing those is that their Corsi numbers are good, but their expected goals numbers are a bit low. So I can... You know, there's a little bit of cause for concern, but they're five one and one. Everything's going well. It's just that you hope they can keep it up because I go back to last season where Daryl took over and they went five and zero, oh and then they lost ten straight. So let's <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> not hope for that after a five game road sweep, please, for the love of God. Yeah, that would be <laughs> less less than ideal, but. Oh he's he's a great he's a good coach like i don't like the guy but i can't deny that he's what he does yeah. on the ice is fascinating like he's yeah he's a good coach and it's it's tough <clears throat> love we've seen it with players that we interviewed on our podcast that you know said they've never had a coach 
that has been this hard on him. And it's working so far. You just have to hope that the Flames continue to buy into his system because the Flames, every time they bring in a coach, it's that initial buy-in and then kind of trails off. So we just got to hope they keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was Ryan Pinder I heard say on uh, the Fan 960 once that Daryl Sutter is a good coach, not a GM. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Um, Audi, what are your thoughts on Sutter so far? From what you, yeah, it, you know what, um, his system. You you know a Daryl Sutter system when you see it, and what we're seeing with the Calgary Flames is the living definition of a Daryl Sutter system, a very uh, defensively responsible uh, system, or or at least tries to be very defensively responsible. Um, and one of the things, too, that even uh, even Yusuf Valamaki told us when we interviewed him was, uh, or one of the things that I kind of pried out, not pride, but like I, I, I started with it, was the fact that there's just so many shots on goal. And that's Something that Yuso said was like, yeah, shot, like he kind of smirked and laughed. He's like, yeah, shots on goal. Like as if like, oh man, does this guy ever make a shoot the puck? <laughs> um, but, you know, shooting the puck is great if it's if it's a high high danger chance or if it's a scoring chance, but don't just put the puck on the net just to put the puck on the net. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the frustration he had. I don't know. But um, yeah, you can tell like the, like for the first or through the first couple of games, they were out shooting opponents, I think for the, through the first two, like in the nineties to like, they were almost, they were over double the, uh, the amount of shots, but um, yeah, it, you know what? His system is obviously working. I'm going to kind of just say that lightly right now. Um, <laughs> is it sustainable? I hope so. I hope that yeah. everybody, like, it seems like everybody's kind of bought in, which is good. Um, we're seeing results on the ice. We're seeing wins. We're seeing uh, chemistry being developed, and we're seeing that the system is is obviously working. So I hope that it's sustainable, and I hope that um, you know going forward that it just kind of continues in this in this trajectory that we're seeing it. But all, all in all, so far, no complaints. I think uh, you know I think there's a lot to be happy about. Yeah, you're uh, you're totally reading my mind because where I was going next, you mentioned sustainability. Um, Shots against and Jacob Markstrom, um, probably going to see him in the vicinity of 65, 70 games, you think, this season. Is Jacob Markstrom's amazing uh, um, performance sustainable through 70 games? Well, if I can quickly start, we've 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 seen it in (laughs) Vancouver. He was the he was the reason that team was good uh, when they were good. And then inevitably they they kind of went down the down the drain a little bit once everybody left. But he was, in my mind, like single-handedly or pretty close to single-handedly the reason that they got out of such close games sometimes and 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 were able to be competitive is because they knew that uh they could they could trust the guy uh, manning the crease. And you know, when you see it before, especially as a as a as a fan of a team who brings a player in from another team, if you've seen it before, you want to keep seeing it, right? Or you want to have that hope that it's going to keep happening because he's on your team now. So maybe that's where I'm stuck right now. But I, I do think it's sustainable, and I do think I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to think that he can keep this up through 65-70. But at the same time, I'm my whole 65-70 game kind of gauge is 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 leaning more to the the middle now because we saw Vladar come in against Washington and play the way he did. And because we saw Daryl put him in. So maybe just maybe we see a little more of Vladar this year 
than we expected to. So who knows? We'll see. But all in all, uh, I do hope and I do think that what we're seeing from Markstrom can be sustained through the rest of the year. Yeah, James, uh, what are your thoughts on Markstrom? And do, do you actually do you do charts on goalies as well? There are charts on goalies, but it requires a certain amount of games. I'm not sure if they're up yet. So oh. while I talk about Markstrom, I will also look for those. But he's been a top five goaltender by oh, some yeah. goalie analytics that I look at. The biggest one for me is goal saved above expected, which is essentially what this model does is it takes the shots that that goaltender faces and it gives them values. So let's say you take a shot from the point that might have an expected goals value of 0.3. If you get a nice chance from the slot, it's wide open. That'll have an expected goals of like 0.9 or one, right? So what it does is it takes that information and it determines what the average goaltender would save based on what he has faced. So Markstrom is currently fourth in the league in goals saved above expected with 5.9 goals saved above expected. So that is very good. He's fourth, good you said, or fifth? Fourth. Can I try and, to guess yeah. the other three? Yeah, you can. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Merzlikens. Uh, yep. Shesterkin. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's where wow. I stop. Jason, can you help me? Mers uh, Lincoln, Shesterkin. I'll give you a hint. The other two in the top five are on the undefeated teams. Oh, oh. so it would be like Bobrovsky, probably. Yep. And who else is undefeated? Oh, um, is it like Craig Anderson or something stupid? It's Frederick Anderson. Oh, Frederick was... Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. Wait, the Canes are undefeated still? Yep. Oh, side yeah. note. Sorry, I didn't mean to take away from you there, Jason. I, I, just wanted, I, just, I was really intrigued by the top four. Yeah. I just quickly looked uh, uh, at save percentage and goals against average, and he's fourth in both of those categories too yeah. right now. So, yeah. so there you go. It it checks out. I mean, analytics and those numbers. So he's been tremendous, and I was a big fan. I bought the jersey, you know, day one because <laughs> I, I watched the guy in Vancouver steal game after game, and I – He's a great personality from all reports. He's like, he's actually a leader in Calgary's dressing room. In his post game interviews, he's always so positive. He's, and, you know, other players like Gaudreau seem to love him. So is it sustainable? Who knows? I like what Adi said in that, you know, if you can get those games lowered to say 55 or 60 instead of, 65 or 70 because markstrom is a fantastic goalie but he has, especially when he's had rest yeah he's he's had he's an even better goalie when he's had rest which is another thing right like yeah and that's that's the nhl trend is that very very few goaltenders play 60 to 80 games anymore it's it's becoming more and more of a tandem system. If you look at the Islanders, if you look at the Rangers, et cetera, et cetera, right? So is it sustainable? We hope so. We hope, fingers crossed, that there's no injuries and in playing him less, that's going to help. So I love Markstrom. He's been good so far. He's been on that road trip. He was the reason that Calgary went 5-0. and 
There's, mm-hmm. you know, Lindholm and Mangiapane who have had tremendous starts. Basically, those three players are why Calgary is off to a great hot start. So, yeah, I saw a tweet the other day that said Mika Kiprasov, I believe, played seven seasons over 70 games. I think it was yep. seven seasons over 70 games. Isn't that insane? <laughs> that, is, <yeah. laughs> that is insane. Oh, that's yeah, that, crazy. That's so crazy. I can't believe that. That's like a watch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, Way too much. Let's uh let's head to the meat and potatoes and the exciting part of the conversation. Obviously, Andrew Mangiapani um and Lindholm are scoring machines now. Yeah. And uh looking really good. Um Let's get your thoughts, Audi, on Mangiapane and and Lindholm and even Johnny. Yeah, not, not, Johnny not scoring, but he's he's leading in the assists, I believe. <laughs> he, you know yeah. what? He's not. Yeah, he's he's he's. I think he tucked he tucked one the other night, did he not? Against Pittsburgh. Yeah, he um, got one the yeah. other night against Pittsburgh. Nice shot, so, by the way. Top it shelf. Was, it was great shot. That's that's <laughs> vintage Johnny right there. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, Manjapani, man, as each game passes, Bradshaw Living should be like sweating bullets because this man is going to get paid in the offseason if he keeps this up. So um, I think all signs are pointing towards him probably keeping this up. He's shown no sign of slowing down since last season when he was good. He's taking, he seems to be taking another step and amplifying his game even more. Um, that trip to the worlds, I think, really helped. He was, you know, maybe put a little more respect on his name too from people outside of the market who didn't know who the heck Andrew Mangiapane was. Um, he's been playing incredible. He's he's always hardest working flame, uh, night in and night out. I think, um, and like I said, it's going to be tricky for Brad when it comes time to re up this guy because he's going to need. Um, he's going to need some extra zeros on his, uh, his paychecks, uh, in order to keep him around. But what a story too. I like just picked, what was he picked sixth round? I think, um, walked onto the Barry Colts. Didn't even make the, wasn't drafted in the OHL, walked onto the Barry Colts first team, all rookie in his, in his first year with Barry didn't get drafted in the, uh, in his first kick of the can in the NHL draft. Wasn't even recognized in NHL central scouting. And then now look at this guy. Like he's he, this guy's played played with a chip on his shoulder his entire career. So, um, you know, I'm I'm I love it. I, I think the guy's great. Uh, I'm Italian, so knowing that there's a <laughs> he's 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 doing the heritage proud is is a good thing. Um, I know no and no, and I love him because he's the only Italian player that they know. <laughs> and uh, no, it's great. And uh, I'll I'll stop uh, pumping his tires a little bit here and talk about Lindholm, who again is proving how much of a sweetheart contract he's on with the scoring performance and the scoring rate that he's scoring at. And uh, James, I haven't seen your tweets recently, but he was at one point on pace, I think 103 goals uh, to start the year. He was on pace for that. So uh, definitely some uh, good things coming out of his uh, or off of his stick and the chances he generates and, um, you know, talk about, like another leader that doesn't have an, a letter. I think Lindholm is definitely, uh, he's leading by example, if not in the locker room, then by example on the ice. So uh big fan of his and, and super happy with everything so far that he's, uh, that he's done. Yeah. And yeah, uh, James, uh, maybe you can uh, pull up some charts on them and uh, have a look at their performances. Uh, sure. 
While you do yeah. that, I just want to add that you mentioned the Mangiapane playing in the Worlds. The funny thing about him dominating the Worlds is he didn't even make the lineup to start. Yeah, he, got he was. Because, he got he got in because of an injury, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember. I thought Dubé. I thought Dubé was the one who got in for the. Maybe I can't remember. You might be. You're probably right. Okay, I, I didn't follow it Dubé. too close. Maybe it's Dubé. It might have been Dubé, but uh, the thing too about Mangiapane is he missed like the first two or three games because he yeah. was because he was he, the Flames were still playing and he had to go through uh, COVID uh, quarantine. So that's it was right. crazy, yeah, crazy, and he still he still performed the way he did, unreal. <laughs> yeah. So just one more thing to add to uh, Audie's point about Lindholm is you know we got to thank him for bringing in Markstrom because they're yeah. best friends <laughs> outside of hockey yeah. and he was a big proponent on why Markstrom signed here but these are my favorite charts to look at because you know it gives you a number value 92 overall it's it's just better to look at in my opinion but they're made after the season. So this is for last season. So we can okay. just see. I'll pull up the 2019, 2020 as well. Like, So that okay. overall number, that would kind of be like his rating on NHL. Right, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's a, it's a good way to look at it. It's it's in terms of <clears throat> analytics, it's a, it's a percentile number. So basically, Mangiapane is in the... 92nd percentile of players so a 92 overall in nhl 20 is a great way to put it like if you can look at last season i'll explain these charts a little bit as well but the first two columns there are his offense the second two are his defense so the first column is his goals above replacement and his the second column is his expected goals above replacement so we all know how good Mangiapane was last year, but he was expected to be like five times even better. (laughs) Just looking at those two columns, like he's, he's so good. And I, I always go back to a good buddy of ours, uh, flash flash lytics on Twitter. And he, he always Mm -hmm. describes Mangiapane the best. And he's our, he's a B right. He's, He's on the ice. He's disrupting. He's getting in your face. He's everywhere. Yeah, and like I, when Calgary signed him to that two-year deal, I wanted that deal to be eight years because, <laughs> like, looking at the numbers, he's consistently improved year after year. He started out in that fourth-line role with Garnet Hathaway, and I'm forgetting their centerman, but you know he worked his way up. He started in the fourth line. And then he made his way up into the third line and second, right? Like he's such a good, just such a good hockey player. And there's not enough good things to say about him. And like I mentioned earlier, I wish they would have went eight years with him a couple of years ago, because that number probably would have started with a four on an eight year term. Now you're probably looking at a six or a seven, maybe even who knows. But yep. it's yeah, next next offseason is not going to be enjoyable. It's gonna be stressful. <laughs> but uh on the now, like both him and Lindholm are both rocking like 40% shooting percentages, right? So, you know, I make my joke tweets because the you know, in the first 
three games, you know, they, everybody always gets off to a good start. And, you know, Manji Pony and Lindholm are both currently on pace for 82 goals this season. <laughs> Obviously, I know that's not going to happen, but it's fun to joke about, right? Because they've gotten off to such good starts. And do I expect them to continually shoot 40%? No. They're obviously going to have some cold streaks, but they've both been phenomenal. And like Adi mentioned with Lindholm's contract, definitely a top five contract in the league by far. He is just so phenomenal. He's been amazing ever since Calgary acquired him. And, you know, just nothing but good things to say about both of them. So really quick on Mangiapane, and I'll ask you first, James, uh, does he crack the Team Canada lineup for the Olympics? For the Olympics? That's a good question because I think their long list of players was already submitted on October 15th. Which are so, made public, by the way, which we'll, we won't are. see those. They are? Yeah. Oh, Wait, no, are made public not. or they're not? They're not made public. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was going to no. say, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure we don't see those. No. So... No. I, I don't think he's going to make it just because I can't remember. I think Doug Armstrong is Canada's GM. I think he's going to lean towards more veteran players, players with reputations, which that's fine, right? Like we already saw John Tavares modeling the Team Canada outfits and those are interesting. But anyway, <laughs> which like I would personally put Mangiapane on Team Canada over John Tavares, but... John Tavares is the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's yeah. making 11 million, you know? So the Olympics are always, you know, more reputation based, which we saw with Seth Jones somehow being the first United States defenseman over Charlie McAvoy or Adam Fox, but Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin, <laughs> you know, Quinn Hughes, like the list goes on. Who are those on. guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So, I, I don't think he's going to make Team Canada. I wish he did. And, you know, if he continues on this pace and if they were submitting rosters, let's say in December 1st, maybe. But I don't think he'll make it, but he should. Adi, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I don't I, I don't think he's going to make Team Canada. I think, that, uh, I think that he would get a long, hard look at the 55-man list. Um but I don't think that he's going to make this team. I think if we look like historically at how Team Canada is like composed, they not only do they like to bring veterans and 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 guys like that, but they also like to bring guys who can play center and a wing. Like that Crosby, Marchand, Bergeron line. Uh, that's two centers and a, and a winger there, right? Like, it, it, like you know what I mean? Like they, I think they like to bring. Um, more versatility. Like it's easy for a center to go play wing, but it's not always easy for a winger to go play center. If that makes, you know, obviously that's mm -hmm. a little different there. Um, I think that like lineup wise, it might be a little bit difficult for him to crack amongst some of the uh, centers that are going to be playing wing for team Canada. Uh, Cause yeah. I, th I, I have a feeling they're going to go center heavy and bring a lot of people who are naturally, naturally play center over to play wings or play on a wing. So I, I don't think he's going to make it over some of the likes of those players that we're going to see. Um, but damn, like they probably thought long and hard about Andrew Mangiapane before they, uh, before they put their, their team together. I bet he made a, he's making a good case for it. 
let's uh, maybe finish off with a talk about uh, Matthew Kachuk. Um, he seems to be back to Matthew Kachuk that we saw before the Jake Muzzin puck uh, flip. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, James? Yeah, so another player that is coming on a contract year, right? So you expect him to play up to his standard at least. And he's been he's been good, especially defensively. He's been really solid. It's very similar to Blake Coleman, actually. Like almost identical, which mm-hmm. which is good. It's you know, he's he's a pest. He's he's a he's a bit of a unicorn in the league, him and his brother, right? Like they do so many things that no other player can do gonna get the skin of the team the other team but i've been impressed with kachuk his scoring isn't where i thought it would be he's he struggled to get on the score sheet a little bit but he's playing well so mm-hmm. that'll come right like i i yeah i have no i have no concerns with kachuk besides the oncoming contract discussions because contract discussions with a kachuk are never fun so. <laughs> they stink <laughs> just yeah. ask the ottawa senators <laughs> yeah yeah oh, man. uh audi what are your thoughts on kachuk but so he, he's got two goals and two assists i believe by the way doesn't he for four points yeah yep yeah that's that would be that would be right uh look the the thing is the the muzzin puck flip thing look i was a big uh i was a big time talker about this when it happened that that was like that was it like kachuk is like you know he's too emotional blah 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 and you know maybe it was being too hard about him when we when we talked to haley salvian of the athletic about matthew kachuk she brought up a really good point saying that um you can't judge a player's performance based on a 56 game season which was already like you know coming off of a season that was shut down from covid in front of no fans, right? There's a lot of factors that go into maybe why he wasn't playing the way that he was playing last year. And I think the fans is a big reason. Um, I think that he's a player who is fueled by the crowd, whether it be on the road or at home. You know, fans, they boo him, they yell at him, they cheer for him. I think he's very fan-driven. And I think that uh, having people back in the building is definitely helping his game. But I don't think he lost anything in saying that. I don't think he lost his game last season. I think maybe it was just, you could call it what it was, an abbreviated season under circumstances that weren't ideal, right? Getting COVID tested, you know, three times a day and and going on a plane and going right to your hotel. There's a lot of things that you got to take into account from last year as to why he maybe didn't perform the way he should have or or we would have liked him to. So, yeah, this year, I'm happy to see the Matthew Kachuk that we knew and love and that we missed last year. And uh, you, you see him like with a little bit more of a pep in his step now. And the, the charts and analytics are showing that he's an effective player, right? It's, it's, it's good to see. And I, I never really thought he lost it. And after we talked to Haley about it, it kind of put it into a new light for me. So I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing with Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, uh, tonight they face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers are 4-1-1, I believe, and Calgary 5-1-1. So it should be a good game. Carter Hart, Jacob Markstrom, 
Um, let's just maybe go outside the flames for just a brief minute and say, I'll ask you James first. Um, what are your big surprises so far, uh, throughout the NHL, if any, and, uh, thoughts on, on what we've seen so far outside the Calgary flames? Yeah. So I think kind of the big obvious would be that Buffalo is like four and one or whatever they <laughs> oh are. Oh my like, dude, what the hell? I know. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll switch. I'll let Adi talk about that one if he wants. And I'll talk about, uh, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the Chicago Blackhawks because obviously there's some things going on that me and Adi will get into on our podcast, but they're, you know, they signed Seth Jones. They brought in Marc-Andre Fleury and, Everybody expected them to be a playoff team. I personally mm-hmm. didn't because if you look at the numbers, Seth Jones is not a good defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> he was like four years ago, but that he's a very common, you know, analytics versus eye test because, you know, people point to his time on ice and he plays a lot, which he does, but are those minutes good? And for him, they aren't. I, I I thought they would be a bubble team, maybe compete for a playoff spot, but they are currently 0-6-2, which was, that's a big surprise for me. And for a team that's doing well, I mean, both Florida and Carolina are heavily, heavily analytics-driven organizations, so I both expected them to be near the top of their divisions. Washington for me is a bit of a surprise every year a common analytics talk is kind of that you know the Washington Capitals will eventually start to you know go down and you know Ovechkin's getting older etc etc but they continually prove people wrong year after year and I pick them to not make the playoffs and they're definitely going to make the playoffs I believe so that would be a couple of my, you know, big surprises. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Chicago. Um, when Flurry went there and decided that he was actually going to play, I thought that was a huge, uh, huge boost. And I, somebody from Edmonton went there too, wasn't it? Uh, Caleb Jones. Caleb Caleb Jones. Right. Um, they made a couple other moves as well that I thought were pretty good. That that I thought were definitely going to make them a really good team. Plus uh, Taves coming back, of course. And yeah, like you said, James, they haven't been uh, good at all. Mind you, there's a lot of stuff going on there that, that we won't get into because we don't have nearly enough time to talk about that, but (laughs) (laughs) um, a lot of outside factors there, which could be contributing. Uh, Audie, what are your surprises so far this season? You know what? I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm not going to go with Buffalo. Um, <laughs> my surprise, because Buffalo is, we can unanimously agree what a surprise of a start they yeah. had. But um, for me, it's the Sharks. Uh, I definitely didn't think that they made all that many moves that made them better. Uh, mm-hmm. But apparently, Evander Kane getting suspended by the NHL was just what the doctor ordered for the San Jose Sharks. Because this team, like, they look like the San Jose Sharks that were competing in the Stanley Cup final against the Pittsburgh Penguins not that long ago. Um, 
they're like Eric Carlson looks like he's not like going back to form, but definitely looks better than he has been. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I was totally surprised that when we did our preseason rankings, I had the sharks finishing dead last in the Pacific and they still can, there's still lots of time, but through six or seven or eight games, wherever, how far we are along now for each team, I definitely think the sharks are my biggest surprise. I did not expect them to be this good, but Time will tell. We'll see what happens. There's still lots of year, uh, lots of the year left to go, and lots of hockey left to play. So there's still lots of time for uh, that to be proven correct. Hopefully, I'm right because I don't want to look <laughs> like too much of an idiot <laughs> in my uh, in my predictions. All right. So early, very early in the season, but quick prediction before we cut this off, uh, Audi, who's uh, winning the Stanley Cup this year? Florida Panthers. That's probably not a bad choice. The Florida Panthers, without a reason to doubt. I don't know. I, I don't mean without a reason to doubt. That's a pretty bold take, but they're showing no signs of slowing down. Uh, Sam is Sam Bennett has found his his uh, his, his role uh, in in Florida, and the team looks unreal. Bobrovsky looks like he's bouncing back. Uh, there's a lot of good things going for them, especially since they got uh, they're going to be having a new bench boss. So, um, looking forward to seeing what they do. They're a fun team to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, James, what's your prediction? If if Vegas can somehow acquire Jack Eichel and he's healthy before the playoffs, I will say Vegas. But if not, I will go with my second favorite team, and that is the Carolina Hurricanes. Because when I first got into the numbers, they're an organization that is very analytically inclined. Their assistant general manager, Eric Tulski, is someone who I am fascinated by, and he has such a big influence over that organization. They stole Ethan Bear from the Oilers. Like, they're such, an, they're such a fun team, you know, with the storm surge and all this stuff. They're, they're what I want hockey to be. So I'm going to say that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to win the Stanley Cup. That that wasn't quite as uh, as good of a steal as it was a Cockneyemi, or <laughs> yeah, Cockneyemi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was just I, funny. <laughs> I have to see more of that. Um, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm mm. going to make a bold prediction and say St. Louis is going to win again. No, that's that's a good. That's prediction. a good take, though. They're they're playing they're, well. They're playing well. They're five and one right now, and uh, they're looking pretty good. Um, whether if they can sustain it, it'll, it'll, it'll be definitely be good for them. So, um, yeah. Where are you predicting the flames to finish, uh, Audie? Well, the way I had them just on the, or I had them just scraping in, uh, at the start of the year, I, I still think I need to see more before I change away from just scraping in because the Pacific is starting to prove to be a division that there's a, there's like a lot of good teams off to good starts. And there's teams like Vegas who aren't in uh, off to a fantastic start, but they're Vegas and they can just pull it out, right? So, um, I think I'm gonna stick with my my uh, stick with my original choice and say that they just scrape in. Um, I don't know what that would placement would be with wild card and everything like that, but I, I'll say they yeah. get like the last or second. I'll, they're a wild card team. I'll say that they're a wild card wild card team. Hmm. All right, James, what do you think? I think in our uh, predictions for our podcast, I said either third or fourth in the division. I think I'll stay exactly that. They might get second. 
if they continue at this pace. But I'm going to say, you know, Vegas will rebound. They'll probably still get first in the division. Edmonton has been very solid. So I'm going to stick with and say they're going to be third. And hopefully we get a battle of Alberta in the playoffs because that would be very fun. I also predicted them to finish third in the in the division. So uh, I did see a tweet a little while ago that said the talks between Vegas and Eichel are cooling off. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe, take that maybe for Brad, what it's worth. <laughs> maybe maybe Brad put down the pizza bread and picked up the phone instead. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. Oh man. All right. Well, it was great talking with you guys, and we'll definitely have to do this more often. Um, I love talking Flames talk. So. You can, of course, uh, see James and Audie on the Barn Burner Hockey Podcast, and I'll post all of their links in the description. So, uh, gentlemen, let's uh, get another win tonight. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, and thank you again for having both of us, man. This is a lot of fun, Jason. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us on. And maybe we'll uh, we'll get you on down the road on ours. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. We'll, We'll make it happen. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Come back. Come back.